It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Right now at Safeway, shop the Big BOGO sale and get all your favorite cleaning essentials. Buy one, get one 50% off. Head into Safeway and shop for select items like Febreze air fresheners, Airwick scented oil refills, Glade three-wick candles, Mr. Clean antibacterial cleaner, Method all-purpose cleaner, or soft scrub cleanser. And get them buy one, get one 50% off. Offer expires November 28th. Restrictions apply. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local store for full offer details. So what should you do in the in the in the future when it comes to to buying a home? It really depends on your specific scenario, but I don't want you to be afraid of the market because rates are like the fives or sixes. And if, if the numbers still work for you, so it's all about establishing your what I like to call like your your why. Like why are you buying a home in the first place? Like establishing those goals there, establishing a proper budget when it comes to buying a home. And a budget does not saying, hey, I want to buy a home that's four hundred thousand dollars. You need to figure out what you want your monthly payment to be. And like work backwards to find that home price, work backwards, find out how much money is going to cost to buy that home, work backwards to figure out how much, how long it'll take you to save that money and put together a, an actual plan. So welcome to the Share the Wealth Show, where minority professionals can learn to escape the racial wealth gap and catapult themselves into abundance. Your host, Nicole Pendergrass, grew her net worth from being negative to multiple six figures. Join her on her investigative mission to expose secret strategies of the wealthy so we can all have the tools needed to build the life and legacy we were created to possess. Now it's time for the show. All right. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of the Share the Wealth show. This is the show where we discuss strategies on how to build, grow, and protect minority wealth. And today I have Mr. Dave Ball with me here today. And I just can't wait to get into the conversation because I just feel like there's going to be a lot of value for you guys. Um, and I just want to learn some more too. You always can learn. So welcome, Dave. Thank you for agreeing to be on the show today. I really appreciate you coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for allowing me on your platform. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. So, okay. I'm just going to start off with a random question. Let's go. What is the nicest thing a stranger's ever done for you? Wow, the nicest thing a stranger has ever done for me. That is a good question because I'm kind of a, a homebody, so I don't I don't get out much. So I'm trying to think of my interactions with strangers. Um you may have stumped me. Nicest thing a stranger has ever done for me. Um, I, don't, I think you've, I think you stopped me. I may have to, I may have well, to come you back. Know what? To all right, let me. All right, I may have to come back we'll to we'll try another one. We'll try another one. No, right. no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> Some of these, if I don't, if I don't know ahead of time, I'll be stumped too. All right, another random one. Let's see. Oh, this is super random. All right. If you had to lose one of your five senses, which one would you give up? 
All right, so we got sight. I got to see stuff. Hearing. Uh, is hearing that important? Sound, smell, smell, taste, feel. I know there's another sense. That's a good one. So I'll maybe give up my, maybe sense of taste. I think I would go with that just by default. Because I, I like to see stuff. I want to hear what's going on. Touch is important. I really like food. But I feel like maybe I could eat healthier if I wasn't worried about how stuff tastes. So yeah, I think taste may be the maybe the the maybe the one to go. Because actually, I just got back from a uh, Quebec, as they call. It. I used to call it Quebec, but Quebec uh, City in Canada um, two days ago. And one thing I noticed up there with that with the food is one, the portions are a lot more smaller, you know, than we do in America. So I guess that that's a little bit healthier. But also, they don't put like any any salt or really any seasoning or anything on, on food. And I guess they're a lot more healthier in in, in Canada. But uh, yeah, everything it was like uh, was there was no like salt on any of the food. I even went to, I, I just did this because of, of a test because I was in the airport coming back. But I went to McDonald's and I got fries from McDonald's to see do they put salt on the fries in McDonald's and they do not. So uh, maybe taste like whoa. Yeah. So, so actually, you know what? That is a new um, revelation. So I the whole. Everyone else has smaller portion sizes in America. I think that's just an, a worldwide thing. Yeah. Um, but the no salt in McDonald's fries. Well, so, so I'm I'm being a little hyperbolic when I say no salt, but maybe maybe they put about ten percent of the salt that we. There's like like a small dash, but it, it's it's a very noticeable difference in the wow. Because all the food we had at the restaurants, it was like it's good, but it's missing a little bit of little seasoning, a little bit of salt, and then. I was like, let me try McDonald's and see if there's just a, a nationwide <laughs> Canadian thing. Because we went to uh, Quebec City and, and Montreal, and it was the same in both. And I was like, let me try these fries. And yep, there was very, very little salt on the fries. So. <laughs> well, you know what? My only other international McDonald's tasting was in France, um, in Paris. And it had salt. I didn't know that like, they seasoned their food over there. But it was... Like they don't use ketchup on their salt; they use mayonnaise. Like they give you a mayonnaise packet, and it actually yeah. wasn't bad. You know, I don't know how much I, I don't really use that much ketchup here anyway. But uh -huh. and I'm not like now going to get mayonnaise to dip my fries in. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, at the, the same the, time, it's just different cultures. Yeah, the last night we were there, we went to this restaurant, and we got. A, I just found like, hey, I need to get a burger. I'm just kind of hungry, and and uh, you know, burger and fries. And so yeah, they bought like. The ketchup and the in the ketchup packets it was weird, but they had like the the mayonnaise in another container, and like my wife was like, "What is that?" And I'm like, I, "I think it's mayonnaise." They did the fries and mayonnaise, and she was like, she tried it. She's like, "Yes, it definitely is mayonnaise." But yeah, I guess that's a that's a non American. I know I know folks in like America do that. I've seen because I was in the Navy, and I remember folks from different places will put mayonnaise in the fries. I always thought it was disgusting, but I guess I guess folks do certain things certain places. Oh so. yeah, yeah yeah yeah. All right, you know what? I'm gonna jump right in. Um, all right, Fanny and Freddie. Was it Fanny and Freddie or just Fanny? Came out with the new rule or or regulation with their down payment yes. programs for multifamily residential two to four units. You can now put five percent down when previously it was like mm -hmm. fifteen and twenty five percent, depending on how high on the unit count you got. Why is that such a big deal? Why is everyone so excited about it because we had fha like yeah. what's the difference between going with fha and and going conventional with fanny and why is it 
better? Like what, why is it such a big deal if we already had a product that could help us with lower than 5% down? Yeah. So it was uh yeah, Fannie Mae came out with the new guidelines and I always say it may be better. It may not be better. It depends on your specific scenario. You want to always weigh both situations. So the big change was on a, so typically with a, when we're talking about Fannie Mae guidelines, we're talking about conventional loans, which is the most popular loan type there is. And so the down payment for a two unit used to be, was it 15, 15%? 15%. And then uh, for three to four units was 20 to 25%, depending on the property type. So yeah, now they're, they're 5% for both. And now you compare that to FHA guidelines, which have always been three and a half percent, whether it's one, two, three, or four units. So you may hear, okay, 5% conventional Fannie Mae, three and a half percent FHA. Why does this matter? Because three and a half is less than 5%. Well, unfortunately with FHA loans, there's a lot of negative stigma. Some justified, some not justified. So when we're looking at an FHA loan, the minimum down payment, excuse me, the minimum credit requirement for an FHA loan, what technically is a, is 500 credit score if you want to put down 10%. But if you want to put down three and a half percent, it's a 580 credit score, which is lower than the minimum conventional requirement, which is 620. So it's like, okay, the FHA loan has a lower credit requirement. That's great if you have particular credit challenges. However, the perception in the market for FHA loans is negative for honestly, for that very reason. Like a lot of times folks hear FHA, they think folks, poor credit, they think poor credit, financially irresponsible, meaning that they may not be likely to close on the property. And so realtors have a negative stigma about the FHA loan because of that. Also, there are certain things with the FHA loan, such as the appraisal sticks with the FHA loan for six months. So like if you go under contract, on a, on a property with the FHA loan, but you back out, that appraisal is still stuck to the property for the next six months. So if that appraisal comes in, let's say low, and you, let's say you're like, hey, this our home is on sale for 400K, the appraisal comes back at 385. Well, the appraisal is 385 on that property for the next six months. And also when we're talking about an appraisal with an FHA loan, the um, we're talking about the appraisal with an FHA loan. One of the things when it comes to the FHA self-sufficiency, excuse me, um, what am I, lost my train of thought. We're talking, oh, excuse me, the amendatory clause, excuse me. The amendatory yeah. clause says that the, um, if the property comes in less than the sales price, that the buyer can back away, back out of the contract at any time and even get back their earnest money. So there's a lot of like negative stigma when it comes to an FHA loan. And essentially like in this market, like the last two, three years, FHA loans have been getting completely ignored if there's other offers on the table. So now you at least have that conventional loan on the table to, you know, maybe go in at that 5% and get your offer accepted from a more likely standpoint than you may have had with FHA. Cause now you're competing with other, you have a conventional offer competing with other conventional offers versus an FHA offer, which is essentially looked at as kind of honestly like the bottom of the barrel. It's like kind of like the power rankers are, are cash, um, conventional, then FHA down below that, then like your USDA's, VA's and 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 Naka. so it opens up the uh, it opens up the field for a lot more lot more people to get their multifamily offer accepted than it would have wow. in the past. Looking to build wealth with real estate? Are you all tapped out on YouTube University and ready to get help tailored to your specific situation and goals? Have you always known that you were a little different from the crowd? That you never liked following the status quo? and that you're just tired of living in mediocrity. 
you want to build wealth on your own terms outside of Wall Street, well, you know, then maybe the Microfamily Mavericks mentorship program can help with that. It's a community where I handhold you through the process of buying your first small commercial multifamily building because not everyone is ready for 100 units out the gate. Why multifamily? Because it gives your rental income a hedge against vacancy. Imagine what happens when your single family rental tenant leaves, right? And why commercial five plus units? Because you have much more control over increasing the building's value in the commercial space and then in turn, increasing your own net worth. Starting small is a stepping stone to so much more because then you can tap that equity and buy another building and another and another and you get the point. So increasing your cash flow and your ability to be job optional along the way. It's all a part of the journey. So if you think big, but you want to start small, and if you know multifamily real estate is the way for you to open the door to building a life of freedom, abundance, and legacy, but you just need someone to guide you step-by-step, and you want to be surrounded by other people on the same journey, doing the same thing, then just click the link in the show notes to find out a little bit more about the Microfamily Mavericks, and I look forward to potentially seeing you on the inside. So now back to the show. I did not know about the whole appraisal sticking with the property for six months. Now that's even if another buyer comes along that is not using FHA. No, no, that, that's for another FHA buyer. Yeah, yeah, j- j- just for an FHA buyer. Yeah, uh, so that, that FHA uh, appraisal sticks with the with the property for for six months. Oh, okay, okay. Well, so I'll just tell a quick story that I started looking for properties in like a, another house hack. My first okay. purchase was a house hack. And so I was looking for another house hack in the suburbs outside of New York City where I live mm-hmm. right before the pandemic hit, not for pandemic reasons, but because of like my kids going to school and, you know, she was going to be starting pre-K and kindergarten. And I wanted to have be in a good school district and not mm-hmm. deal with New York City schools. And so once we started looking, like literally the next month, the pandemic hit. Yeah. So it paused everything. Then we kept looking and probably the next year or so we had, we were looking, we put in so many offers. We were bidding above ask. Of course, everybody was bidding above ask. We well, we were doing FHA and not for credit reasons. I have excellent credit, but I yeah. just wanted to put three and a half percent down. I live in New York city who has yeah. 20% or, uh, you know, or even exactly, 15% yeah. on the duplex. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not doing it. And I have a men- uh, investor mindset. Like I want to control more property for as little capital as possible. Mm-hmm. So if I can get away with putting less down, I'm not going to put sink 20, 15 or 20% into a property. So none of our FHA are like, we didn't get anything. I don't know if it was just the price or was because of the FHA stigma that was associated with our offer. Um, but in any case, I think it all worked out for the best. I'm going to just leave the city and <laughs> at some point <laughs> soon. Um, yeah, just, just, yeah, just for whatever reason, like it could be the exact same, it could be the exact same offer, but if it's conventional on FHA, like it's just, that conventional is going to win every time. So yeah, that opens up the doors for yeah a lot more people. Cause like you say, yeah, you know, putting putting down twenty percent, twenty five percent, especially like New York, like that's that's unattainable for a lot of people. A yeah. lot, a lot of people. Um, and the PMI, the PMI drops off on conventional after you get down to eighty percent, just yeah, either through um, appreciation or from principal pay down. But on FHA, they changed that, so now it no longer falls off and it's there for the life of the loan, which also sucks. Um, yeah. You'd have to refinance and occur additional costs to get out. Yeah, yeah. You so know. you might as well just start with that that conventional with to begin with. Yeah. yeah, refi it anyways. Yeah, definitely. 
Okay. So I know you are very tapped in to the market and the economy and what's going on. Um, what do you think about, like, I'm going to ask you about your crystal ball because I know it's so all shiny. Right. All right. All right. So what do you think about a strategy for this year, the next year, the next two years for people who want to get into their first property? I've seen a lot of debate on, um, on social media in my feeds about should people wait and buy now or wait until, or wait and buy now. Should people buy now or should they wait until like whatever craziness with interest rates kind of stabilizes and buy mm -hmm. later? And there's a debate on whether it makes financial sense to buy now or buy later. But what's your kind of thought on that and what you think is going to happen or a good strategy for people who are looking to buy their first property? So when we're, we're talking about like what may happen in 2024, 2025, the, the answer is no, no one really knows. There's some good guesses based on the data we have right now. But I think it's important to to jump back to kind of set the stage for now and in the future. But let's jump back to, to pre-COVID because I think COVID warped a lot of people's minds about what the real estate market is like. I got into the mortgage industry in 2017 and my first loan was, I, I closed with somebody was like at 5%, right? And so why were rates at, at 5%? we got to think about like how the banks set their rate. So basically there's something called the, the federal, the federal funds rate or the benchmark rate. And essentially it's the cost of, of banks to borrow money set by the federal reserve. It doesn't directly impact mortgage rates. It, it impacts more short-term lending like credit cards and so forth, but it has a impact on the long-term market, like treasury market and mortgage rates. So all the way up until like COVID hit, like the cost to borrow money for banks was like between two and like two and a half percent. That's why rates were naturally like four to five percent. Nobody was like, oh, the rates are, are super high. That's just what rates were from basically like 2014 all the way up to like 2019. Then COVID hit, you know, no one kind of knew what was happening with the economy. The Federal Reserve wanted to come in and do something to stimulate the economy, save the economy. So they lowered this benchmark rate all the way down to like 0.25 percent. So from 2.5% to like 0.25%. That's why you all you all saw like rates. Hey, I got a 3% rate. I got a 2% rate. You saw all this stuff. Like money was so cheap and everybody was a, everybody was an expert, whether it's real estate, two a row and all, all, just money was so cheap. Everybody was making a, air quotes wise financial <laughs> choices, right? And so that, that that's what happened between like June or excuse me, like early 2020, all the way up to like June, 2022. But also what happened was money was cheap. Folks were just spending money. Stimulus checks were coming. Folks were in the house. Folks that you know were able to keep the job weren't going as many places. People were spending money more freely. Inflation. And so that, that led to a little bit of inflation. They were real life supply chain constraints that uh, corporations had to like raise their prices because of inflation. And then some corporations just were like, hey, we're just raising our prices and saying it's it's inflation just because we can't. Who, who's going to know? And like corporations made like record profits. So like in June 2022, inflation peaked at like 9.1%, which is which is very, very high. I think we all we all felt that. And so like the so Congress put out the mandate to the Federal Reserve to get the inflation back down to like two percent. And so that's why you saw the Federal Reserve then to start to raise raise rates. Like you, you may have seen like they raised rates like 11 straight times. It, rates were going just 
uh, 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 uh. So that's why you guys are seeing rates are kind of high now because the Federal Reserve is raising rates to kind of slow a lot of the spending that happened in the 2020s, 2021, 2022 timeframe. So right now, what they what they look at something called like super core inflation, which is inflation minus um, like energy and and food, because those are like the most uh, volatile parts of the um, the uh, inflation metric. And so right now, depending on where you listen to this, inflation is like between like three and a half and and four percent. Once again, they got to get it down to two percent. That is the mandate from Congress for them to do. Where we're kind of at in the present day right now. And so now, like I say, going back to COVID, that cost of bar money was 0.25 percent. Before COVID, it was 2.5%. And right now, it's at like somewhere between 5 and like 5.25%. That's why right now you see rates in the 7s and 8s. So I want to just kind of set that stage for when we talk about the future and what may happen with rates. So all the information that I've seen is that the Federal Reserve is not going to be able to get that that uh, inflation down below like 2 to 2.5%, two maybe sometime out to 2024, 2025. And so everything I'm seeing is that a hey, interest rates are going to be in the in the fives at least out to most likely 2024 2025 like the lowest the most optimistic realistic um what I've seen from a credible source is like um rates may be down to like 5% by like Q4 2024. So are you enjoying this episode? Then stop what you're doing right now. Head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. It really helps our show get pushed to more people who are looking for the information that we're sharing here. We have to share the wealth. If you listen to us on YouTube, make sure you like the episode that you're listening to right now and subscribe to our channel. Then share the channel with somebody else. There are people out there looking for the information you're listening to right now. So make sure you share it with someone who you know needs it. Now back to the show. I want to set that stage to say, hey, you now, so what should you do in the in the in the future when it comes to to buying a home? It really depends on your specific scenario, but I don't want you to be afraid of the market because rates are in like the fives or sixes. And if if the numbers still work for you, they still work for you. But if you're waiting for like rates to hit like the threes and four percent threshold, like something drastically bad would have to happen. Like you know. Putin may may do something or something 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 bad would have to happen. Like we'd probably have to go to war or COVID or something like that for the the Federal Reserve to lower that benchmark rate so drastically again. So we're not going to see rates in like the threes or fours uh, ever, not ever again, but for, for a while. So it's all about establishing your what, what I could call like your your why. Like why are you buying a home in the first place? Like establishing those goals there, establishing a proper budget when it comes to buying a home. And a budget is not saying, hey, I want to buy a home that's $400,000. You need to figure out what you want your monthly payment to be and like work backwards to find that home price, work backwards, find out how much money it's going to cost to buy that home, work backwards to figure out how much, how long it'll take you to save that money and put together a, an actual plan. So uh, that's a long way of me saying it really depends on your specific scenario, but I would not focus on rates being back to the COVID timeframe, um, but make sure you're establishing goals that are specific to you when it comes to um, potentially purchasing a home in 2024 or, or 2025. And I can, I've can i been talking for a while. I can go in a lot more detail of that uh, if need be as far as establishing those goals. But um, yeah, just, just wanted to set the stage as far as what I think will happen in the future. Um, and also, sorry, last, last thing is, so most predictions I've seen as far as like where home prices may go, 
2024, the next year. The most um, unoptimistic prediction from Fannie Mae is that rates or interest rate, excuse me, home prices may go down about 1.8%. I've seen Morgan Stanley say home price may drop 2% in 2024. And the most optimistic was that Zillow saying that home prices may hit up, may go up like six and a half percent in uh in 2024. So somewhere between that is uh where home prices may go. But that's my uh, long-winded uh soda crystal ball answer. I love it. Uh, and you know Zillow <laughs> Zillow is always optimistic with their home prices. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I am not surprised that that is their prediction of course they want people to come come in there and buy homes have more listings there oh my goodness but yeah i'm i'm an economy kind of nerd like i can't spitball everything but i have been learning more about it and i can Uh sit and listen to people who are knowledgeable in that and talk about like the money cycle and what's happening and the rates and all that i can listen to that all day um so that is not a thing for me but one thing that your your talk kind of triggered and I'm, I kick myself but it's like you don't know what you don't know and you got to keep moving forward anyway I had a loan on my first property at 3.85 percent uh-huh. and I refied in 2019 literally the year before it was like yeah. I, I refied in like March or, or April of 2019 so mm-hmm. one year before but instead of just getting, because I wanted to get the equity out of my house because it appreciated uh-huh. so much. Instead of just like getting a second mortgage or a HELOC or something like that, I, I, and I had a strategy in mind, but I don't know, for whatever reason, I, my my mind was a little warped back then. Uh-huh. Um, I refinanced my entire mortgage into a first position HELOC. Okay. So... You could imagine what my mortgage and it was it's an interest only payment. So you could imagine what my payment was then yeah. versus what it is now. Mm-hmm. Um and it it's kind of sucks. It's taking all my monthly like cash flow freedom uh-huh. number is going towards interest. Um but the thing is I luckily am blessed that I have the the rent from all my tenants still covers that interest only it covers all the bills and i still can pull from that every month the amount because i'm using money from that to pay the rent that where i live now so uh-huh. all of that has still stayed consistent just the extra cash flow i would have had is kind of gone um but right now it's floating itself so i'm just i'm right yeah. at the tail end i feel it for the fed raising rates we're a little gonna stabilize and i got my crystal ball trying uh-huh. to work too um so I'm happy about that. So people, just a lesson. If you are buying a house, refinancing house, doing something, and you have a rate that's lower, you can access your extra equity, but leave the primary, like first position mortgage there with the lower rate and access the equity from another like HELOC or second mortgage at the higher rate, because then you don't lose the bulk of your mortgage payment um, to the higher the higher rate right now. So, yeah. 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 I mean, that's just, just when it comes, whether it's real estate or whatever asset, like you said, you actually have to run the numbers and make sure they make sense in real time. Like you can't, which we could all predict the future. Like I always, I tell folks this example. So uh, as I mentioned, I was a, so I was a lender as well, still all the way back to 2020, you know, when COVID hit. And I remember like the first, like me first feeling like COVID in the market, as far as like the business and 
I was working for for Chase at the time, and kind of not the official guidance from the company, but all the information we got from like I'll just say folks that worked at Chase. It wasn't like Jamie Diamond was putting this down from the from the higher <laughs> up. It was that basically was that hey, it looks like the real estate market's gonna gonna dry up. It's gonna be kind of rough the next couple of of months at least, where folks not going out, even to the point that Chase actually gave all the lenders like just a, a a stipend it was like hey we're putting you on a minimum salary in case you know things just kind of dry up to protect you for the next three months and i remember like april 2020 um this is my when i first felt COVID was when appraisals started to really really slow down now we couldn't figure out why at the time because it was so new because appraisers didn't want to go into people's houses and so i had a couple who was going to miss their closing date because the appraisal was not Going to be done in time. It was like taking like three weeks. Typically, it's like seven to ten days. Now, I remember they asked me like, "Hey, we're going to miss our closing date. You know, um, you know, the seller can back out. You know, should we be worried?" And I remember telling them like, "No, you shouldn't worry. I mean, I can't imagine any scenario where the the seller would would back out because, hey, you know, who is going to who is going to be buying a home in the middle of COVID at this time? Like, you know, they're going to be happy that anybody's buying the home. And you know, you know, in the next like year, home prices went up." 43% like like nationwide. But, you know, at that time, I was thinking that home prices would be so so stagnant. So, yeah, it's hard to predict what will happen um, in the future. You just got to make wise decisions at the time you're making them. And then, um, you know, hope for the best after that. So, yeah. And you know what? I I must not, I, I stay kind of tapped into what's happening in real estate and markets, but I'm more on the commercial multifamily side, even the mm -hmm. small commercial um, so maybe there's things happening on the residential side that I have not been as tapped into because in my head, I thought because rates are increasing that I know the amount of people trying to buy properties has drastically decreased. I've talked to a lot of lenders yeah. and there's not as much applications. It takes a lot, a lot longer to get things closed, but at least I'm talking to commercial lenders on the commercial space. And I've heard from some residential like brokers and realtors that, no, on the residential side, loans are still getting closed in, you know, the typical 30 to 60 day kind of time frame. And my friend is considering selling her house in Jersey. And I was trying to give her some advice about like what's going on in the market. Okay. She was like, yeah, but uh, she named like three or four other people who she knows personally in that same market who sold their houses and had multiple bids over asking. Yeah. And I'm like, what, what is happening on the residential side? Is there is that because it's still like supply and demand constraints, even though the rates are higher, but is, or, or is that like just market specific or is that a nationwide thing? What are you seeing with that? So, so it's definitely market specific, but if we talk about things from a, a national level, depending on what metric you look at, we're between nationwide, we're short like between 1.5 and like 6.5 million homes nationwide. So even though the demand is a lot lower than, even pre-COVID due to the high rates being in the six, seven, eights, depending on your credit, that demand has gone down, that inventory is 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 non-existent. Like we're at historically low levels of inventory still. Like if you were to look at a a a chart of inventory going, it, it's been going down since before COVID, then COVID hit and there were the supply chain constraints. So inventory just dropped even more. So we essentially lost like a year and a year, a year, a year and a half of inventory due to COVID. And so the demand is low, but the inventory is even lower. And also always look at there's even in like your specific market, always say there are markets within that market. For instance, like here in, in Dallas, there's a market between like 
there's a market like under three hundred thousand dollars that is like is is crazy. Uh, I remember looking for a a borrower I had. She was looking for a home under two hundred fifty thousand dollars. She qualified for I think two fifty, but she was like, "Hey, this is my budget. I want to find a home that's like two fifteen is my max." So I was like, "Oh, this this is gonna be that's gonna be tough." And so <laughs> we we ended up finding a home. Made, this is probably specific to Dallas because their homes are a lot cheaper here than they are nationwide. But on and this was like three four months ago. We had homes with like. It was like six offers, nine offers, fourteen offers, nineteen offers, and thirty-four offers on on one on one property. Um, and this is where this is where rates were in like the six seven percent percent threshold. So uh, there, there's markets within the markets, and typically whatever like the the bottom of the market is, wherever you're at, that market there's always going to be competition, no matter what rates are, because home prices are continuously going up, but like wages aren't going up. You know, minimum wage is still what, what 750, 725. Like minimum wage has been minimum wage for the last, what, 20 years, right? And so mm-hmm. home prices are going up. So there's less and less people that are able to afford what's on the market. So yeah, the 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 bottom of the market is is always kind of kind of crazy as far as uh, multiple offers. So if you, you're looking more uh, in the middle to maybe the higher end of whatever the market is in your, your local area, that's where there's more opportunities available for you as far as, you know, homes that that are more likely to sit on the market for like, you know, six, you no, know, five, four, five, six uh, months. And so you may be able to get some deals in that scenario. But like nationwide, we're still at 3.3 months of, of inventory. A, a neutral mm-hmm. market, like a even market between buyers and sellers is looked at as, as six months of inventory. So we're still very, very, very short inventory. And there's really no no sign of, like a wave of homes coming in to um, fulfill that inventory. So I think definitely at the bottom of the market, there's always going to be um, fights and multiple offers uh, in, in that that area. Okay. Yeah, because their house is not kind of mid-range, but it's in that it's close, it's like 400K around, I think is a valuation. Mm-hmm. So in that area, that's kind of, I feel like, a medium kind of range for what houses would be not um, not super high end. Okay, guys, don't kill me, but I'm going to have to cut this episode short. This is too juicy and we need to do this in a part two. So stay tuned for the next episode that airs and you can hear the rest of our conversation. Did you love this episode of Share the Wealth Show? Be sure to connect with Nicole by following her on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook. If you picked up any of the gems that were dropped by today's guest, make sure you not only put them in your bag, But if you know of someone who would benefit from this information, don't keep it to yourself. Share the wealth and make sure to leave us a rating and review. We'll see you for next week's episode. Subscribe so you'll be notified. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. Judy. <laughs> 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.